0: we are gonna have some fun this morning it uh, may be challenging at times it's we may laugh at uh, some of the silliness of conflicting thought and processes that go inside of us, and then I I really truly believe that there's a a hope, there's a a release that the Lord wants to give today that it, it cuts away the glass ceiling. If you've ever felt like you are being stuck, that you are unable to progress, that you feel like you're on a... Uh, a, a rabbit wheel, or a chasing your tail, or just can't seem to get ahead—that kind of feeling. This morning, uh, the the hope is that the Holy Spirit of God will come and enlighten our hearts to see what Jesus has done and get us off the wheel itself. Not to make progress within the systems, but to break you free from them altogether. It's going to be a good day. You alive? So to that end, would you just join me in prayer right now? Lord, we thank you that you are here, that you delight in giving good gifts to your kids, that you are with us. You're so for us. Father, that you love each one so much that your heart is for us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray this morning that you would breathe on every life, God, where there have been, Lord, strongholds or patterns that have kept us stuck. Lord, I pray that that stuff would be exposed in the light and that your holy fire would consume it. It would remove it from our lives. Lord, I thank you for this. Give us revelation this morning. Awaken our hearts, Lord. Awaken our hearts. We might see. We could see clearly. Pray these things right now in Jesus' mighty name. If you agreed with that, you said, amen. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell an origin story to you. Some of you will appreciate it. Half of you will probably groan. I was 17 years old when I got invited to come over to a friend's house for lunch and watch a football game with them. This family happened to be from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Whoa, see, I told you, half, exactly half. That's how it is. Less than half, okay, all right. I sat down, we enjoyed a meal together, they turned on the game. It was the Green Bay Packers. Yes. This is <laughs> 1995, 96, Brett Favre is at the helm, they're about to win the championship. We are a really good team. I say we as if I'm participating in it. Something happened to me that day. I have grown up a Vikings fan in a Vikings household, right? Weekends, this is what my father and I would do. We'd turn on the television, we'd watch the Vikings game together. But I had an epiphany on this day. What I, I, it was, okay, it was like awakening from a dream. Like the Matrix where the, blue pill and the red pill is offered, and suddenly I found myself with a decision, and that decision would liberate me from a pattern of thinking (laughs) and an experience in life set me free. I did not know that football could be fun. I thought football was screaming at the television. I thought football was yelling at the refs. I thought football was yelling for sure at the coaches because they were making bad choices. <laughs> and then I realized that you could cheer for a winning team. It was amazing! <laughs> Unless it's this year, in which case we're not going to talk about it. No, what, what took place on that day was a paradigm shift. Everybody say paradigm. Okay. I had believing one way in my life, had thought processes, had been interpreting seasons of time in a certain way. I had experienced pain and suffering in one pattern of thought, and then found myself liberated to think in another pattern of thought, which also just I'll point out on the walls. There's purple on the walls because the people that control the lights are wrong. <laughs> a paradigm shift is when you are thinking one way and your whole worldview exists within a certain point of view. And so when it came to thinking about, I'm just going to keep talking about football, but really I'm talking about every other paradigm we exist within, okay? So just hear the illustration. I I perceived drafting for a team in a certain way. I perceived coaching in a certain way. I perceived all because the system and the structure in which I had grown up in had a thought process around this experience. And my experience had informed me about these processes. When my heart became alive in joy, and was liberated out of a previous paradigm into a different version of that, suddenly I am watching Sports Center with a different point of view. I am watching an experience. And what takes place when a paradigm shift happens is that you have built a structure and you have believed and you have, have faith into, you have put your energy into something that suddenly shifts from one point of view to another. And you realize that some of the energy thought process structures you have built choices you've made all of this stuff suddenly does not work in the new paradigm now we live in a world that has been establishing culture has been establishing systems has monetary expressions, has power structures, has corporate ladders, has systems that we exist within. In those systems, as you learn the rules, you can figure out how to climb the ladder of success. You can figure out what works, what doesn't work. As you learn the rules, you can use them for your advantage, and you can gain, and you feel powerful as you grow in knowledge of a system or a structure. For example, you get a new job. It's all new people. The new job's got different system of management. It's got different ways that they do stuff around here. There's a, a ladder of authority that you have laid out before you that you can learn how to interact with. If you make all the right choices, you can one-up yourself on those ladders and grow in authority within that system and structure. Are you with me here? But then something like 2020 comes and zeroes out the structures. Suddenly, corporate structures, businesses, things you've been climbing within are just don't exist anymore. They literally go bankrupt. Boom, your life changes. Your structure has gone. The systems got interrupted. And then something is, just has just been taking place that I, I look at and I'm like marveling at it. Because it turns out that people get exhausted when they are trying to work a system for their favor. And that with an interruption like a 2020 where, every, where we just all were like, hey, go home. You don't have to do things the way we've been doing them before. That interruption suddenly unlocks people from the pressures within having to perform. You traveling with me here? And when we try to go back to normal, nobody wants to. Or if you've been forced to go back to normal, suddenly you're exhausted by it. Suddenly you're fatigued by it. Suddenly you're like, man, nothing has changed in my life, but I can't say yes to another thing because I have no energy for it. Anybody alive here today? Come on, wave at me if I'm talking to you today. We have in culture systems and structures that have been established for thousands of years of humanity. We have authority structures, justice systems, legal systems. We have patterns, both religious, political, business or marketplace. There was a person who had an experience with the Lord when they saw these seven mountains of influence. What I really believe that is, is the... the ways that society has structured itself, these systems and structures exist, that humanity is all trying to clamor and climb for influence and power and growth and trying to better itself. And, but none of these mountains lead to heaven. And let me just say from the beginning, none of these patterns or structures, none of them represent the kingdom of heaven. None. You can't become the best salesman and suddenly attain to knowing the Father through it. That's not how it works. When you turn 18 to 20 years old, this something takes place in a young person. They start to be curious about the world. They were raised in a household that thinks according to a pattern. That pattern was established by their parents. All of us were raised in households. Where our parents taught us how to behave within their structure, their system, their religious belief, the way that they think the world works. We teach these things to our kids, how to do things and try to help them so that they can be successful. Successful within what? Within the structure that the parents know. But when you turn 18 to 20 years old, suddenly you start getting curious about the world because this is the age where you wake up and you go, oh, I trust my parents, but they don't know everything. Anybody have that experience? Anybody? No? Yes, some of us. Some of you are the parents, and you're like, no, I know everything. (laughs) You got your teenager sitting next to you right now, and you're like, he's not talking to you. (laughs) This is a very scary time in a parent's life, very scary. And the reason is because the parents have done their best to equip the children to behave within a system and a structure, to have beliefs within a system and a structure, and to help them to succeed. And the child gets curious about the world and starts asking questions that are outside your pattern of thought. Because you don't know everything. So the child goes to college Okay? If you're a Christian family and you can afford it, you're going to put them in institutional religion. Why? Because it behaves according to the pattern and the system you raised them in. Sometimes this is a good thing. I'm going to kick over like all your sacred cows today. (laughs) It's just going to happen. Just like, be ready. It's coming. Like, I promise you it's coming. Like, just know, okay? At some point today, you're going to be offended with me. Like, you're just going to be. But but I, I, I really am trying to help you. I really am. We send our kids off. They go to like a liberal arts school or something, and they start to learn about the world and different systems. They're going to get excited about the things they're learning. Why? Because it's a new world. And they're seeing things differently, and suddenly mom and dad don't know everything. It's not that they don't know everything. It's that they are not acquainted with the new system that you're learning, kids. It has nothing to do with wisdom. It's just that you're learning a different pattern of the world. Because all systems and all structures are of the earth. All culture comes from humanity. People establish patterns. It's what we do. We like patterns. We like control. We like to be able to predict things. We want to know when something's coming and why it's coming because it helps us to feel powerful within those structures. Are you alive? I'm going to keep checking in. Okay, bob your head or something because the look can only last so long for me. (laughs) Okay. If a child begins to learn a new pattern in the world, it's very scary for a parent that is living and they have formed their worldview in a different system because they're unfamiliar with it and they have no power in it and they have no influence in it. And so your child begins to think differently and suddenly it's threatening. And so what religion does is religion, which is a system, tries to speak against another lower-level world system. And we have fights with words, and we try to discredit one another. And in that process, you don't realize it, parents, but you're alienating your child because they were starting to feel powerful. This thing is necessary for you to come to understand because I don't want you to have prodigal kids. I don't want you to have to go through your child ran away and went into the world and never comes home again. Religion itself is a system it is a structure now all patterns of the world so a child could go off to college and learn new things or they could get curious about spirituality i have a friend who did this grew up in the church and then got curious about spirituality got into things like reiki healing and spiritualism ended up being curious about hinduism went to india and had a powerful experience himself and he was learning new things and he got excited about it and so he began to practice the things he was learning is feeling powerful within it why because it's new because it's a ladder Because every form of religion is a ladder. If you just, you can learn something, and you can improve something, and you can improve your your karma, you can get better at, fill in the blank, meditation, healing, spiritualism, I mean, transcendental meditation, new age, like, pick your poison. It's all lower-level systems. None of them connect with heaven. None of them. None of them connect with heaven. They don't open the gate to the Father. They don't open the gate. They're mountains, but they don't reach to heaven. See, we've been trying, humanity has been trying forever to ascend a hill that leads us to a pattern of enlightenment. You do it in business. If you do it in business, then money is your God. Power is your God. If you do it in religion, spiritualism, and you're trying to achieve some form of mystical expression, here is where christianity began to take a very difficult and powerful wrong expression when we saw the church marry the political system in 300 a.d houston we have a problem because a religious system that was born and began to exert control married itself to a political system that was attempting to maintain control. And pretty soon Christians are traveling around the world putting a sword to people's necks and telling them, believe or die. Is that Jesus? (laughs) Like, is that even the church? Of course not. That's the, it's so easy when we hindsight, we look back and we go, oh, yeah, that's wow, that's really junk. It's terrible. And part of the reason why you will have other cultures completely rejecting things concerning the church, because the church is a religious structure in their mindset, not a free people. Okay. That was like the classic golf clap right there. (laughs) You're waiting to see where I go with this first. I know you are. Don't worry. (laughs) I just thought about the timing of this. Isn't it like Tuesday, voting day? Oh, man, I'm so sorry. This was not planned. It really wasn't. Here we go. You ready? In Jesus' day, okay, in Jesus' day, the paradigm, okay, paradigm, The system was a religious system based on the Mosaic Law that God's people began to form traditions and patterns around the law so that God's people would behave in the ways of God. That system and that structure in Israel had itself also causing the religious council to be the justice system as well. And so you have the pharisaical law and the Sadducees, these ruling councils who were the leaders of their nation setting the tone for the culture within Israel. When Jesus was born, he is of a virgin. His humanity is not coming from his father, whose name and pattern would be in a system. Jesus is born outside the system. In Jesus' day, the religious system also had been dominated by a military political system called Rome. And so you have a contrary political system, a power structure that is military might, a monetary system that's different from Israel, and a religious worship system that has no value for the temple worship. So anytime the Pharisees or ruling councils would make a decision and make a choice of justice, they would still have to go check in with the Roman government to see if they could do anything. Okay, you had one system subjugated by another system one structure made to be the subjects of another dominant structure through military might and jesus is born right into that the king of all kings is born into a time of systematic structural crisis Jesus is born and he is raised in the pattern of Israel, the pattern of Jewish worship. He goes to the temple for festivals. He is a part of the worship system. He's been fully, not. He, he's raised in this. This is, this is his people. This is God's people and he is the Messiah, the one who's come to liberate God's people. And so he learns everything. But let me tell you, my friends, for the first 30 years of his life, he was not submitted to that system. He was born out from under it. On the day of his baptism, when John baptizes him, he is baptized into fulfilling the law and the prophets. He subjects himself to the futility of a system that doesn't reach heaven so that he could fulfill the obligation of the law and the prophets, fulfill the Mosaic, Abrahamic, covenantal process, fulfill the covenant, and create a new one. He would walk through the religious system and win because he wasn't submitted to it. He atones for our sin and with his blood he opens a new covenant a new way the gate to the father he gives us access directly to the father not through a structure a system a subculture none of it straight to the father he opens the door Says to every one of you, you have access to the Father. You're not needing to go through the papal system, the priestal system, the religious nonsense of whatever version of isms that you want. Denominationalism, praise Jesus, it's on its way out. But we're also not creating a new version of charismaticism or Pentecostalisms. In fact, The call today is to come out from under all of that. Do not subject yourself to it because he set you free from them. He opened the gate to the Father so that you're not needing to go through anyone else to get to the Father. That's really good news, isn't it? Now, in that light, think about Jesus. He shows up. Who does he call to himself? The broken. The orphan. The widow. The prostitute. The fisherman. Tax collectors. See, within the religious system of Israel, if you broke their system or you didn't fit within their system or you, you messed up somehow, that system judged you and moved you out of community. If you had a disaster come on your life, the council would try to decide whether it was your sin that caused it. And if it deemed it that's your sin that caused it, oh, you're out. We're talking about out and in. You get to be a part of God's people or you're out. Oh, you messed up morally, you're out. You're out of the system. And here Jesus shows up, and who does he call to him? All the people that had been kicked out. All the people that didn't fit in that system. Those are the ones who were attracted to him. Just like King David, he's calling the indebted, the broken, and the stressed out to himself and turns them into mighty men. So if you're in this room today and you're like, man, I'm in debt, I'm broken, I'm busted, I don't know what I'm doing, I am messed up, all that, woo, you could become a hero. <laughs> Jesus is calling you, man. Now, he said he came to Israel to those who needed healing, not to the ones who were under another system and didn't require it. Hmm. Mindsets and paradigms. You ready? Listen to this passage. This is Jesus. He came into, out of the wilderness, having rejected all forms and patterns of sin. It says he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit, comes into this one of the synagogues, and he picks up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this passage. Ready? Listen. This is what Jesus was about to do. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Because he has anointed me to tell people the good news. To talk to the poor. He's anointed me to proclaim release to the captives. To the recovery of sight, to the ignorant, the blind. Those who don't know, I'm about to illuminate them to set free people who are oppressed and to proclaim that God really, really, really likes you. Shuts the scroll, sits down, every eye's on him, and they're all doing the same thing you're doing to me right now. (laughs) And that's what Jesus did. This is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Listen to this. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Okay? Another version might say the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove God's will, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. In other words, none of the patterns in this world will lead you to know God's will or what's good. None of them lead there. You can become the best, most enlightened Buddhist. It doesn't reach to the Father. Every pattern falls short. Why? Because all their covenants, all their systems, their lower level, created by humanity, experiential, often in pursuit of their creator. But without the new covenant, there is no access. It's the difference y'all. The new covenant, there was a door opened that gave access and it came through the cutting of a covenant of Christ Jesus' blood. What this means is that there are patterns established in the world, you all know them. Politics, religion, money, Power. Systems for humanity to take and climb the ladder of influence and experience, enlightenment, power. These systems, economies, are means of controlling humanity. It's all it is. System and structure that forces you and I to play by the rules. Religious structure that forces you to play by the rules doesn't represent God. The rules being, you do what I want you to do. The structure being, uh, freedom is for somebody else or you need to achieve it. Look at this. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It says... uh, this passage of Scripture, we're going to do Galatians 5, 1, all the way through verse 13 here in a moment. This passage of Scripture defines the liberty that we are to walk in and what Christ came to give you. Look at this. Galatians 5, 1. Why don't you help me read it out? 5, verse 1. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not subject again to To a yoke of slavery. Don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Keep that verse up there, please. It was for what? Freedom that Christ set us free. Why did he set you free? He did not set you free so that you could subject yourself again to a lower level system. You're not meant to play by the rules. Hold the job. Be amazing at it. The purpose of it? To serve people in love. That's it. Don't play by the rules. You're not trying to climb the ladder. Stop. Can I tell you why persecution comes? It's not because you're so good at controlling others. Let me say that again. Persecution doesn't come because Christians become better at the law. Persecution doesn't come because we try to control society and make them behave the way we want them to behave. That's not why persecution comes. Persecution comes when you become free from the system they are trying to control you under. When the body of Christ stops playing at all And just serves in love. Woo, that drives people nuts. Because you can't manipulate me to do what you're wanting you to do. No, 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 I'm here to serve you, to love you. I'm free, though, in my freedom. Wow. That will, It'll mess you up. Freedom will mess you up. Let's keep keep going. Verse 2. Okay, I'm going to read all the way through verse 13, and then we're going to go back and talk about it. Here we go. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, which was the sign of the old covenant, if you try to fulfill the previous system, Christ is no benefit to you. I testify again, every man who receives circumcision... He is now under obligation to keep the whole system. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law have fallen from grace. We, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? How in the world did you get hooked into a lower level system again? This persuasion did not Come from Jesus. (laughs) A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you'll adopt no other view. But the one who is disturbing you is going to bear their own judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, I still preach... If I still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? If I am still preaching, yeah, you got to obey the systems, then I wouldn't be being persecuted. But because I'm telling you, you don't have to submit to any of the systems, that is why people get upset. That's why you're getting upset this morning, because you were taught something, and now I'm undoing it, and you're frustrated with me. There you go, the uncomfortable laugh right there. If I still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish, this is a hilarious statement. This is the point of Paul's frustration. If you've never thought Paul ever got frustrated, here it is. I wish that those who were troubling you would just go ahead and cut the whole thing off. You were called to freedom, brethren. Now, in your freedom, don't turn it into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. Jesus set you free so that in your love, you could just serve people. That's it. Be free. In Christ, he's not calling you to obey another system. There's not a version of a religious ladder that you need to climb here. This is what frustrates people about the house church. You come in here and you're like, I just need to figure out how to maneuver and do my thing. And then you find out there is no way to do that. <laughs> if I just serve and be in proximity, then someone's going to give me an opportunity and then I'm going to get to do whatever. And then you're like, man, that didn't work. I'm leaving. Bye. Bye. We're free. There's not a way to get a hook. We're we're just not doing it. This is the calling of Christ. There is no hook. Listen, if you're called into the business world, serve people through your skills. Love on them. Don't try to win the business game by achieving XYZ. Leave that aside. Just serve people and love them in Christ. Be free. You don't want to take a job? Don't. You do want to take a job? You feel this prompting of the Holy Spirit on it? Do it. Oh, but it doesn't fit within the structure and system. Who cares? In love, serve people. And watch as the Holy Spirit differentiates you. And watch as his kingdom now becomes established through what you're doing. Called to politics? Praise God. There's a whole bunch of liars, uh, sinners, uh, broken people. If you are called to influence through government, I'm pretty sure government agents are called to serve the people. And so in serving, in love, do not subject yourself to the rules and the games that politicians play. And watch as God anoints you and moves you through it. Don't violate conscience for the sake of achievement. Don't do it. Don't play by the game at all. You're called to the law, justice system. Amazing. Friend, as you learn all the legal system and you become liberated in your thinking and powerful because you know how to maneuver and you know how to achieve and you know how to protect Don't seek power of influence through the system. Just serve people and love them. Be free from these things. You're called to freedom. You're you're called to have amazing lives in Christ. Lastly, if you're called to to serve the body of Christ, you feel called to be a missionary. This happens. People get radically touched by Jesus, and the assumption is I should become a pastor. Trust me, you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. You should live an amazing life for Christ. You should be free and liberated from that thought. And if you can't get rid of that thought, fine, come talk to me. But I'm going to try to talk you out. Because religion isn't a ladder, it's not a means of success, and it's not a way to climb something. Nope. It's service to all, it's the least of all. It's the choice to lay your life down, and there's just no other options. It's just how it works missions is not an opportunity to successfully achieve something the nations are not something to be gained the only way you have influence in the nations is if you ask the lord and the lord chooses to give it to you friends there's no there's not a means to achieve just be free like unhook yourself have a matrix moment blue pill, red pill. You take the red pill, you get to see how far the rabbit hole goes, but you're going to get unlocked and you cannot go back. If you want to go back to your quiet life and pretend like it really mattered that you attended this morning, you chipped in money in the plate, you fulfilled your obligation, you got your communion, that was it. That church is down the street. Now, I'm being tough on you. At the same time, I'm being dead serious. Y'all, Jesus doesn't play. There's no pretending. He really is calling you to be liberated from all of that. Now, (laughs) let me tell you, okay? I said this first service, I'm like, this might be the last service at the house church. (laughs) Praise Jesus. It's okay. Man, we're going out swinging, though. We're going out swinging. Why do we take up an offering? This isn't a religious duty. <laughs> You've never heard me teach religious duty here, never. I dare you to find a sermon where I've taught religious duty. I despise that stuff. Makes me wanna vomit. Thank you. Yes. Why do we, why, we take up an offering every week, why? It's for you to express the worship of your heart and to declare over your finances that money is not your God and that your provision comes from the Father. That's why. There's an opportunity to do good here, to be a part of a community, to sow into it, participate, all of that. And we should do so freely. No obligation. You know why you participate in kids' ministry? Why you help? To demonstrate love to the next generation. There's no obligation. Listen, if they, all, if they give you a guilt trip, which they are not, I know they're not, Lamont and Christine are doing an amazing job. Okay? Hey, make sure you tell them that. Because there are weeks, y'all, there are weeks where they show up, and kids show up, families show up, and there wasn't enough people to help even make the thing happen in this kind of crowd. This isn't a guilt trip. This is just making you aware and calling you to this that the reason we serve is out of love for the next generation. That's why. Not because I'm called to it or I see some kind of opportunity or achievement. You're gonna get near Pastor Jamie once a week if you do this. Like, there's none of that. There's there's none of that. Why why would you why would you sign up to be part of the worship team? Not so you can release your next album. There's there's no gateway here, there's no opportunity. Now, we're going to release albums, but why? To serve you, to love the Lord, to demonstrate creativity and sing the songs that God's given us. Amen to all of that. But this isn't a doorway to your future. Y'all, be free. Be really liberated. Be free. Let go of that stuff. Listen, 2020, this happened. This happened to a lot of people, and you may be suffering from it, so I'm speaking to it right now because it's like an elephant in the room. Before 2020, we were all operating within our structures and systems nicely. You're making a nice little living, and things are comfortable, and it's okay. And then the systems got all disrupted. Boom. We're just going to go ahead and end all that process. And you sat at home for three to six months. And you learned new patterns and new ways of achieving. And you're like, man, this is kind of nice. And you realized how tired you were. Because in a system, when you're struggling to get ahead, that's a terrible experience. That'll wear you out. And we didn't know how tired we were until we unhooked ourselves from them. And as we got unhooked from the systems and structures of this world, we unplugged from the culture. We unplugged from all that stuff that was pushing you to achieve and to buy and to do and all that stuff. Now, as they asked the systems, asked us all to come back, suddenly we're exhausted. We're fatigued. You had tons of room for saying yes to lots of things before, and suddenly you're like, man, I don't know if I can say yes to one more thing. Why? Thank you because you're meant to be free. And in the day of rest, in the day of freedom, the Sabbath, that's where there's life. You just gotta unhook yourself again. How do you do that? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Number one, everybody say number one. Trust that Jesus has created a covenant That is higher than all forms of lower-level agreement or obligation. Jesus' covenant is the highest version. It's the biggest one. Jesus' covenant unites the world, forgives the world. Jesus' covenant does a lot of stuff. Jesus' covenant unhooks the religious obligations. Jesus' covenant, it's the highest one. It calls the world to know their Father, calls to them, be baptized, be united, come to the way, the truth, the life. Enter through the gate, receive this covenant, receive eternal life. You're free, you don't have to be under it anymore. No more obligation, no more lower level covenants, no more previous obligations. All that stuff gets wiped clean. Just believe the blood. Believe the blood. Believe that his covenant is enough, that his blood is enough. There's nothing else needed. Woo-hoo! Nothing else needed. Come on, de- declare this with me, alright? I believe the blood is enough. I believe the blood is enough. Come on, Jesus' blood is enough. This covenant is enough. Nobody's standing in between you and the Father. Not me, not your pastor, not your priest, not your father, and blah, blah, blah. Fill in all the cultural blanks. Nobody's standing between you and your father. Number two, everybody say number number two. Trust that the Spirit of your Father in heaven, the Holy Spirit, knows your heart far better than you do. He knows what you have been through. He knows your pain. He knows your fears. And he knows how to walk you through that stuff and unlock you into freedom. The Holy Spirit knows how to help you. That's scary. That means you don't know how to fix you. That means you can't come get a sozo and fix yourself. That means you can't go to a counselor and they'll know what to do. These are all can be helpful, but they all work within a system. And if you're looking for liberty, it's going to be hard to find it unless the Holy Spirit's part of that process. The Holy Spirit knows you, and so you should trust him. You should trust his promptings. You should trust him when he talks to you. Can I tell you, listening to the Holy Spirit is so scary because All the stuff that's holding you together and performing, all the controls you got in place so that you're not a mess, ah, you got to let go of that stuff. And you might be messy for a while as he liberates your heart and sets you free. Trust the Holy Spirit, okay? Declare this with me. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Third, Okay, say three. Three. Jesus has given you a new heart. He's given you a new heart. You are not deceitfully wicked above all else. See, religion taught us that, that our hearts can't be trusted. And so that's why you must listen to your pastor. Your heart can't be trusted to interpret the scriptures. You need somebody standing between you and God. No, this is Ezekiel 36:26. The prophet said this about this new covenant experience. "I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone." From your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe all my commandments. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does inside of you? He gives you a new heart. When you're baptized, the whole point of baptism is that you would leave the old nature behind and you would be adopted into the new nature. If you've never been baptized before, you need to be baptized. It's not about salvation, this is about you getting into liberty. The old sinful nature is done away with. It's united in Christ's death. And when you come out of those waters, your heart has been circumcised. You're going to end up wanting what God wants because he's given you a new heart. Now, why is all that important? Because, y'all, because there's going to be days when, you, when you're, you get exposed to, like, the seed of darkness or some lie or some lust from the world, and you're going to have an appetite for it. It's gonna hit your heart, and you're gonna go, mm, I want something of a lower level system. I want the world. And if you're confused about if that came from you or that is something coming from the outside, it's difficult to trust your heart. See, the Lord has given you a new heart, and so when you have an appetite, For the flesh or the sin, you need to know the Lord's pushing all that junk up and out of your life. So you may have a messy few days as you're listening to the Holy Spirit, but he has never left you. He has never forsaken you. If you end up sinning or making some terrible decision, there is mercy anew every morning. It's why we practice giving mercy to each other and forgiving each other. It's why we practice that because you're going to have a bad day, and you're going to need somebody just to reset you. Man, just wash you. But you got to believe your core, who you are. God renewed your heart. You are not deceitfully wicked above all else. you got to let that sucker go. You actually, your inner man, your core, that compass, wants to follow God and become who he made you to be. Therefore... No longer be subject to yokes of lower-level systems. Be free from them. Liberty is not produced by creating lower-level systems or obeying them. Liberty comes when you unhook from all that, you listen to the Spirit, you walk, and you serve people in love. You watch as God advances his kingdom through your life because his kingdom is not of this world. He has made you an ambassador of that kingdom. Friends, we're in a day of transformation, but it's not going to come by forcing our way. We're in a day of revolution, but it's not going to come as the church tries to control law. We're in a day where culture could be totally disrupted and a new Jesus people movement could happen. Really could, but that'll be because our young people, because we as the young of heart, (laughs) we stop playing by the system and we just walk with our God. Would you please stand to your feet today? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got this. We did a lot there, you did great though seriously, you did awesome. You guys are, you did it. You did awesome. And you did awesome. Just put a hand on your own heart, would you? Father, I'm asking this morning that you would sift through the rubble that was just created, and that truth would emerge in hearts. Lord, I, I, I did the best that I could to present but Holy Spirit, your voice, it's your anointing that cuts through and makes clear. And that's what I'm asking this morning. Father, would you please speak to our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you lead us into truth? Come on, just ask him that. Holy Spirit, lead me into truth. I trust you. Jesus, we proclaim your lordship because you laid your life down, your blood. Purchase men to be a kingdom and priests unto our God. Lord, I pray this morning for every heart that God, as we look at and explore just the different patterns that we have been participating in, Jesus, I just pray you liberate us from all of them. Holy Spirit of God, Help us to recognize that the gate that Jesus opened, the door that was opened to the Apostle John, and the voice came from heaven said, Come up here, that we also have access. Just come up. Leave the systems of the world, the processes of the world. Just let it go. You want to be a culture disruptor? Oh, man. Parents raise children in free homes don't try to religiously obligate business obligate structurally obligate don't do that you just create pain for yourself later lord release liberty over us help us help us god i pray for every heart that's been bound that you would circumcise our hearts today lord come have your way we proclaim the new covenant of jesus he has made a way we receive it with joy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, <laughs> I pray that there would just be increasing joy and peace and goodness. The fruit of your Spirit would manifest. Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in each one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So I bless you, church. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord may the lord be gracious to you and his face his smile his countenance be upon you and may he grant you peace that you could advance his kingdom and rule everywhere you go I pray these things in jesus mighty name and if you dare to agree with these things he said right. come on can we give a good clap to the lord today